0: As long as you're six meters away or six feet away that like that that's going to be enough to, to keep you safe like it's oh yeah little tool that everybody in the u.s seems to think is is this magical hey you're six feet away you're socially distant you're safe from corona like that's, that's
1: that's it doesn't it's not scientific this is the united states is so unscientific they just put something out like uh you don't wear a mouse don't you don't have to wear a mouse don't worry about it you know right. <laughs>
0: I'm going to church, but I'm six feet away from the nearest person. I'm, I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> it's just
1: like, what? This is Mass Action Podcast. Revolutionary socialist propaganda to save the planet, smash white supremacy, and stop World War Three all right this is john beecham i am your host on this episode episode nine of mass action podcast we are joined live well recorded from hanoi vietnam by ember with the center for communist studies we'll be discussing how vietnam has kept their death total to zero during this pandemic quite quite an important important story but first Here is some commentary on why we should all descend on Tulsa, Oklahoma to shut down Donald Trump's white supremacist rally on June 19th. All right, before we get to what is really a pretty amazing interview with Ember from Hanoi, Vietnam and how Vietnam has dealt with the coronavirus much better than the United States has, I actually wanted to just go through a few things. There's a lot of stuff happening. Uh, There's a crisis and an instability and a level of struggle in the United States that hasn't been seen for many, many decades. First thing is obviously complete solidarity and a shout out to everyone who has taken uh, part and helped organize the protests for justice for George Floyd and to assert once again that Black Lives Matter. Um, And the protests were simple protests for justice. Uh, People have uh, acted in many different ways, but in general have acted in a way in which they demand that this country finally listens to black people. Um, And that has, in a large extent, completely and totally happened. Uh, The NFL had to apologize. NASCAR has uh, banned the Confederate flag. And every single corporate website you go to or academic website to, almost everywhere you turn, uh, this society has had to address the concerns of black people. Some cities have even said they're going to defund the police, so on and so forth. But the struggle's not over. Uh, In order to get this country, which is so completely and entirely racist, um, to actually get to a place where we have justice for black people, That struggle is going to be uh, a very difficult one, but one that can and will be one, again, because the United States has racism baked into it. Capitalism, uh, especially in the United States, has racism completely uh, baked into it. Um, How else do you explain having a president, Donald Trump, who is, I mean, come on, his presidency tells us more than what we need to know about the United States, uh, and it's brutal legacy, it's violent legacy of racism. Donald Trump has announced that he is going to continue his campaigning uh, on July 19th, Juneteenth, the day where all across this country, black people celebrate the defeat of slavery, the actually the smashing of slavery as an institution and the defeat of the slave owners. Uh, he is going to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma on July 19th and have a campaign rally where There most likely will be no precautions taken in terms of uh, protecting people uh, from the pandemic, from ceasing the level of transmission that still needs to be going on. The thing about Tulsa, Oklahoma, is it is the scene, if people know their history, of the 1921 uh, race riot, where thousands of whites, uh, sometimes it's called a mob, but it was organized and planned. I mean, white, racist, violent groups uh, were well organized in the United States at this point in history, attacked uh, the most prosperous, perhaps the most prosperous Black community uh, uh, at the time or ever to exist in the United States. In fact, Black Tulsa was called Black Wall Street. And just a brutal campaign of uh, two days just waged war on the Black community, destroyed it. Um, planes were actually involved in dropping bombs. Uh, People were massacred on the streets. It was just, I'm not going to go too much more into it, but it was just a brutal racist massacre, perhaps the worst one. Some people have said the worst one that's ever happened in the history of the United States. And this is where Donald Trump is planning on um, renewing his campaign. Uh, Donald Trump is a white supremacist. I mean, this shouldn't be controversial in calling him a white supremacist, but this just shows you clearly, if you can have this happen at this point in history, where there's a person... Uh, who lives in the White House, who's the President of the United States that can literally give a massive clarion call to white supremacists all across this country by going to black, by going to Tulsa, and really to fascists all over the world. Um, and there's little to no resistance. I mean that type of ca- that type of campaign really cannot be allowed to happen. It should be shut down. In fact, people should descend on Tulsa despite all the all of the problems with that again, Protesting during a time of pandemic is dangerous and it's not ideal at all, uh, but we kind of are, we kind of have our back, not our backs up against the wall, but we kind of have, we, we have no other choice. Uh, we need to, so I guess I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into the second thing because I've taken too long. I guess I'm going to end this, uh, this commentary for this episode in just saying that people should go to Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma and shut down Donald Trump's rally. People should descend on Tulsa, Oklahoma. It can't be allowed to happen. Um, There's too much at stake. Um, You know, it's just one rally perhaps, but it literally is a clarion call to white supremacy. And if you think the Democrats led now by status quo, uh, fund the police, Joe Biden, because that's who he is. That's completely who he is. The man, if, if there are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of whatever it is, more police officers with more violent weapons in their hands, and been given more carte blanche to attack and oppress the black community. Joe Biden has his name all over that. So let's not wait for anybody in the establishment, and people are not doing that right now. Let's not wait for the Democrats. Let's do everything we can to stop and shut down that, you know, Donald Trump's white supremacist rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Because I'll tell you what else, that's who's going to be coming, who's going to be energized and coming to his rally in Tulsa. That cannot be allowed, despite all the odds or whatever the dangers are. That cannot be allowed to happen. All out for Tulsa on June 19th. All right. This again, this is John Beecham, Mass Action Podcast. We are joined, seriously now, from Hanoi, Vietnam, by Ember, who is a longtime socialist, longtime activist, and with the Center for Communist Studies. Thanks for coming on, Ember.
0: Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, you're welcome, you're welcome. I got quite a string going here. Last episode, I had someone from Beijing. Um, And you're on, uh, not just because you're in Vietnam. Well, maybe because you're in Vietnam. Uh, The thing is, is well, no, you know, this government, the Trump administration, but you know, Democrats are at fault too, has just completely failed at its response to the coronavirus. And they're just letting people die. It's, It's, you know, it's a genocide. Some people called it a genocide by default. Vietnam, on the other hand, which has a border is has a border with china, has mm-hmm. had i'm going to say this zero deaths, still zero deaths. I checked it today, zero reported deaths, right, and everybody's saying, "Oh, should we open up, should we do this, or should we do that? You know we can't do this, we can't do that and Vietnam just said, mm, you know, we can do it and from my uh, just from from my observation. It hasn't been done with any handy heavy handedness, if I could say that. It's just been done, you know, the government's obviously, you know, in, in charge of it to a large extent, like they are in China. But it's the people. It's yeah. the people. So just, can you just tell us a little bit, just from being there, your, your perceptions? Yeah.
0: So I am an American uh, living in Vietnam. Uh, perhaps some might call me a, a refugee. I know expat is generally a more trendy term. <laughs> uh, um so I first came here in 2018. I spent a little time in China as well, uh, but ended up settling in Hanoi uh, with originally a plan for the, for the long haul, but uh, for now it's looking like it might be a slightly shorter uh, journey. But so uh, I came here in uh, 2019 to officially settle down uh, and I've really just absolutely loved Vietnam as a country, as a culture uh, as a place to work, it's just, uh, it's, it's really exciting. There's a really, uh, positive energy that definitely, when I moved here, one of the first things I really noticed was just, you know, like coming from America where, where everything just really has a negative feeling no matter what, like it's always, you know, uh, just very, very pessimistic, uh, and coming here and meeting people that felt like they were ready to, to challenge the world. And, uh, you know, they were excited about their future and that was so new to me. Uh, So when we started the new year, um, there was a little bit of news trickling out uh, uh, about the coronavirus in China. Um, I was trying to read through the Chinese sources I had just to to stay in the loop on what was developing and listening to whatever information I could gather. Uh, A few friends uh, around Hanoi mentioned it, you know, like, hey, do you think this is anything big? I said, you know, it feels like the U.S. is perhaps blowing the China version out of proportion just to take some digs at China. I said, but if, you know, if it's really as bad as what they're saying, you know, when it hits the U.S., that's when there's really going to be trouble. Uh, And then. Oh, so you knew,
1: you knew, you predicted uh, it.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that was probably about. So that was, I'd say, like a late January, early February conversation. I was sitting at work and we were we were having a conversation that if whether we thought there'd be any like closings of the schools because of the the coronavirus. Cause we knew like, Hey, we're close to China. Maybe they'll, they'll take precautions. So, but I said, I said, ah, this, this ain't ever going to happen. And then the following day they, they closed the, <laughs> they closed down the schools. Um, so yeah, before they even closed everything down, uh, I, I was making that prediction to my friends here. I said, guys, when it hits the States, the, the States aren't ready. Like they, the system is is set up that it's going to fail in this instance, right? Uh, so, what did and, Vietnam do? What did they do? Yeah, yeah. So, getting into Vietnam's specific response. So, um, right away, uh, they were very like clear about their communication. Like anybody that had recently been to China needed to declare. They tracked people down that had recently been to China. Um, they uncovered the cases, and then uh, they originally had about. Sixteen cases that they found in like that first month found and diagnosed um, and uh, they quickly like contact traced anybody that might have came in contact with them uh quarant- they quarantined like a whole village I remember it was it was on uh like I want to say it was even on c n n that like uh you know look at this repressive thing that Vietnam is doing is they're blocking down this whole village and like they're not telling the truth about corona and this is all the communist propaganda and lies and uh, but no, Vietnam was just taking the precautions of saying, hey, we found a case here. We don't want like people coming in and out of this village and going all around the country and potentially spreading something. Uh, so they were being really precautious. And we had only about 16 cases. Um, and then, uh, you know, by then, China seemed to have it uh, relatively under control. Their numbers were going down. Uh, and, and then the shit hit the fan in Europe. Uh, and suddenly... Um, uh, you know, suddenly the numbers were shooting up there, and then there was like a, a, a little bit of like a Vietnamese socialite that she had been over in Europe gallivanting around with her friends and family, and she uh, came back uh, with a case uh, or with corona. She didn't she didn't declare that she had been in Italy. She had because uh, when she when you enter the EU you like freely travel around. So she didn't say like, she just been to Europe. She didn't say, hey, I was in like Northern Italy. Um, So she came back and it was a big big hoopla uh, because we were literally at that point. So there had been the 16 cases for like a month and then it had been pretty silent for like two weeks, like no cases. And we're like, okay, we're going to be able to, so they had canceled school. That was the first major thing. And really the, the biggest thing that they did consistently from the beginning was, they said, hey, we're canceling schools, and that included private schools, and that included like the English centers and any like preschool. So like, you know, so the government said, hey, businesses, you know, you're closing down. Like, there's no options about this. Like, we, we can't take, we can't be too careful. Like, kids, they can, especially since, you know, the, the theory was that kids um, could really be super spreaders. They might not show any symptoms, but they could be spreading it to all their families. right. right. Um, and so the, the Vietnam, that was the really big action they took for during that first month and a half was closing down the schools. And so about like uh, that time in March when it looked like, hey, we're, we're about to go back to normal, like, hey, we beat this thing with only 16 cases. Um, and then this person came back from Italy and then more people uh, came. And then so Vietnam acted really quickly and you know shut down uh, uh, immigration from, from Europe. And then slowly from other countries as they identified other hotspots and everything. And then eventually, uh, within about like a week from like, you know, first it was okay. No South Korea, no Italy. And then it was, Hey, we're just going to say n- no immigration guys. We're, we're going we're to close this down. Uh, and anybody that does come in, whether you're a qualified person, like with the visa already, you have to get quarantined for two weeks. Uh, so for like from March on they quarantined everybody for two weeks, but they paid for the quarantine and they paid for the testing. Um, right, I mean, right. that, that, that's the deal. Right? I mean, that's that's the difference maker right there, just compared to the U.S. Right is you know when when you're worried about getting charged eighteen thousand dollars or something for for a corona test in the states, you're not going to go get the test. But if you know that you can go get it for free and be quarantined for free, you know then then you can stop the spread much easier because anytime. Anyone who's got symptoms, they're not worried like, oh, my God, I'm going to get locked down and not have anything for two weeks. Like if they know they're going to get taken care of, it's such a difference maker.
1: Yeah, you know, it's um, even even in Europe where they have, uh, you know, a much greater public health program, even though it's been chipped right. away at over the last couple of decades. than than they do here in the United States. That, that wasn't an, enough. Right. It wasn't right. enough in Italy or France or, you know, Spain and other European countries, Belgium, where they had a lot of, ca- they've had a, they have had, you know, major outbreaks. And, right. and when I talked to um, Oscar Bastille, who's in, in Beijing from the Marxist yeah. think tank on the last episode, you know, he related something akin to what you're saying. And at least this is what I'm thinking as you're, as you're relating the situation, is that it wasn't really that hard. Yeah. It, it, yeah. As long as there is like there is a government that has particular priorities, in, yeah. you know, putting the health of its citizens before profit, for example. Which both the, I'm um, in China to a large extent. I mean, there's contradictions, whatever, not whatever, but there's contradictions. <laughs> but but you have a basic thing there where, uh, you know, people do have an understanding of sticking together and mobilizing together and working with the government to just do some straightforward things that can help you during a time. Of pandemic Because in China, actually, they never had a nationwide lockdown. The whole thing about crackdown and draconian yeah. measures or whatever, I mean, they, they locked some places down, like, you know, cooperatively yeah. and thoroughly, right? And yeah. way better than the lockdowns here. Here in the United States, they just locked down sort of an emergency thing, you know, saying, hey, everybody's locked down. They did say, you know, I mean, they did say that you got to do this and that, but but then, you know, there's no connection. There's no right. connection between like the government and the people here.
0: And people no, don't trust sure. the
1: government for very good reasons but there's just no coordination so you have people doing whatever you know i mean right. you have people like protesting against like just simple measures you need to stay safe and keep others safe during a pandemic the you know, white supremacists right. coming out of the streets i mean it's just uh, we were saying before we came on you know this is the first time i mean in my mind uh you know i'm not u.s centric you know i'm a socialist yeah. or whatever and i think the struggle against imperialism is struggle is central to the people's struggle but still you grow up here you live here you know and you get saturated with this whole idea that america is so great you know mm-hmm. it's it's not i mean okay. this is the first time and i said this when we were talking before that i viscerally felt like i would be safer i'd be safer I, i'd be and it's just true i'd be safer yeah. where you are i'm not safe when i go to work right do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not, it's not safe to work for a boss in the United States. It's not safe to like live under this government.
0: Basically. I mean, you know, American exceptionalism, it's, it's definitely a hell of a drug. I mean, it's, that, that propaganda is pushed on us from like such a young age. Like even people who can, you know, know that they're really radical. It's just so easy to like fall into that thinking like, ah, oh, you know, I'm still fortunate to live in like this greatest place, in the world, but I mean, Vietnam is still very much a developing nation. Like there's definitely some areas that I think they're ahead of the US. Uh, and obviously like being able to mobilize their people for a goal and to like have the trust of the people and have a focus on understanding, you know, that, um, you know, like you said that people over profit, but just to understanding that you can't have an economy without people like, yeah, the economy is important, but. If you got, you know, a couple million dead, that's, that's going to be a much bigger uh,
1: drain on your economy than, than locking down. Well, that's, <laughs> totally true. that's totally true, right? I mean, here in the United States, you have 40 million people collecting unemployment. If they just would have taken the correct measures, more people could be at work. Right. If they right. just did or it safely. Could, you know, you have, nurses. Yeah. Wait, you have nurses walking off the job. Because right. like, I'm not safe and you don't blame them. I, I I tell people, if you don't feel safe, don't go to work. I don't care where, you know, I don't care where you're working. Really. But, you know, if people can't feel safe, they don't work. It's just like, it, even for the, even the capitalists here, they can't even, and their politicians, they can't even get it straight for themselves. Right.
0: Right. I mean, and it's just like, it's absurd. Like, you know, like I've seen pictures from like the, the quarantine camps and like the hospitals and like the people who are like, Cleaning up after the doctors have better in Vietnam have better personal protection equipment than like the doctors in in the U.S. Uh, you know, like like it's just it, it blows my mind that a country with vastly less resources, like per citizen, was able to like think, hey, we need to direct uh, our resources towards this fight uh, because the people matter most. Like that, that's that's
1: people yeah. power, right? There's nowhere on the planet that a country could have been more prepared right? Than the United States. The United States has all the resources and all the foreknowledge. It's not a, right. it, it's not, I mean, maybe it's it's shock to people because, you know, this country has, isn't focusing pe- uh, people right. on really what's going on on the planet. Yeah, You know, it, th- this country is not. Maybe it's a shock to the people of this country, but the people who run the country, I mean, they knew. Right. They, they knew that That's
0: it was... So, you know they were shorting out their stocks, knowing that they were gonna they were gonna make a profit off of the the companies losing money when when the news actually came out. You know they were ah uh, that's some evil stuff.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me change change. Uh, we're running out of time, but let me change the track here just for a second because there's one thing that I from from here looking at Viet- or watching Vietnam or watching the rest of the world that really impressed me, and you can tell me whether it's true or not. Uh, cause, cause it hasn't been mentioned. I saw here that there were billboards all over the place and TV commercials, educating people about the virus and what, and yeah. informing people what to do and what we're doing and how to do it together. In China, they had, uh, just, uh, you know, millions of volunteers to people just like, I'm going to help contact trace so on and so forth. So I wondered if, if that was any of your experience there in Vietnam.
0: Yeah, for sure. So like, besides like the, the, what was previous mentioned, like, you know, the really strict measures right away, like we did have a little period of like social distancing. They didn't even officially call it a lockdown because it wasn't like there was like troops out on the street locking anybody down or anything. It was just, Hey, stay at home. And people did it. Uh, But the reason why all of it worked so well and why they were able to have social distancing without like calling it a lockdown was because the information was out there. Like, there's, there's still now billboards up in like my apartment complex. When you walk down the street, there's billboards. When you were in the malls, there was signs and billboards. When you went in the malls, there was hand sanitizer right away. When you went into any store, there was hand sanitizer right away. And that was back in like January um, because since Vietnam, you know, has been focusing on being self-sufficient versus the U.S. where they have the supply lines that they have to worry about, they had, you know, they had masks, they had uh, the hand sanitizer, they had it ready for the people. It was there supplied for the companies and the information was out there. They had like songs. They had like a song that went viral. I know it was like on like John Oliver. I think it got featured. And the kids now like, you know, I can start singing it in class and they just start singing and dancing the whole thing. That's awesome. your uh, hands. Um, You know, they, the information got out there and people understood the risk. People understood what to do. Um, one, like one thing, like I, I, grabbed my, my phone just to like mention it is so they even have like a health monitoring app where you just say like, Hey, I'm healthy. Hey, I've got a cough. Hey, I've got shortness of breath. Hey, I've got this, you know, mm-hmm. health issue so Like you can just submit that. And then like the government can like, and you can also look and see if there's been a case nearby so that you can like know like, Hey, I might've been in contact with that. Like the information, wow. the information got to the people and that's like, you know, uh, looking at, looking at the U.S. where like, it's just so hard to get like any sort of information. Like they were literally talking about not, you know, for fear of like giving away too much personal information, like not saying where people had been. Uh, And I'm like, wait, you're you're not, you're not telling people who might've come into contact with this, that they might've been there. And I mean, especially like in those early months, literally watching like so many American friends share like articles that are like, hey, masks are actually really not worth anything, knowing that it was just straight up like propaganda being put out by like the CDC to save the mask supply for when the, when yeah. the shit
1: was Yeah, you know, um, seriously, you just see here, like I was an early proponent of the mask um, and most people weren't. And so no pe- people were out with no masks on. And then the government said, you know, wear masks. And so people started wearing masks. And most places you go, like the protests here, 99.99% of the people have masks on. You know, not the entire time. But because those are the more responsible people, the people who are actually uh, uh, opposed to what they're saying on the news here. The more responsible people in society are literally the people out in the streets protesting racist lynching and risking their own lives mm, to, sure. resist, to resist this government. But then, you know, it's open up, open up, open up, open up, which has now become like a mantra. We, we haven't even finished right. dealing with this. Pandemic at all in the United States? and right. just open up twenty thousand cases. Oh, it's uh, it's it's how I mean it's how many thousands of cases? Here? It's it's a million and a half. Twenty thousand cases, a day, right? 20, yeah, yeah, a day and stuff. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And there's a hundred. According to the government, hundred seven thousand people have died. And it's not it's not slackening that much. And it's probably twice or three times that much, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you see, you know, I mean, it's like ha- it's like you know, the majority of people have masks on when you go out, but there's a sizable my minority that are like just going around their business and like, uh, you know, just totally sort of ignoring just basic decency with other human beings when they, uh, um, it took weeks for the government here to start publishing some news and it's still not broadcast widely. You, you can find it if you look for about like, you know, where the cases are like right. in, Cook, in Cook County and actually in all of Illinois for a while. And it may still be the case. My zip code had the largest amount of cases. But did I know that? Does anybody living here know that? Mm-hmm. I mean, just because I was, you know, maybe a little ahead of the game in terms of locking down and wearing masks and washing my hands and sanitizer. Um, I'm a you know, it's not a it's not a personal thing, but like, you know, for someone living in the zip code who probably didn't even know. Right. Right? I mean, the beaches here, the mayor said beaches are closed, right? What do people do? Yeah. They went to the beach. Right. The, the, they had to physically literally send cops out on the beach and sending cops anywhere in the United States is usually not a good idea because they're not good at anything really, except giving people crap and <laughs> lynching people, lynching black right. people and rounding up immigrants. But they had to do that. They literally had to say, we're going to arrest you, right? right. We're going to write you a ticket. And of course they just arrested and wrote tickets to black people on the South side. Right. I mean, but it, that's just completely different than what you're describing. I mean, people I, maybe it seems overly simplistic, but the reason why I want to do this interview is because really wanted to do it. Besides it's nice getting to talk to you again. Uh, it's been a while. Um, it, it's just that people need to know like the complete drastic difference, right? right? And all the propaganda, you bring up a great point about that American exceptionalism stuff. I mean, it's just nonsense. It's bad. It's actually dangerous for people here to believe it. Right. So why don't you just want to take us out you know, final thoughts, take, you know, Take however long you want, actually. I mean, we went way <laughs> over time, but this is a great, great interview.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, so definitely, you know, another, another world is possible, a better world is possible. It doesn't have to be, you know, this this shit response. It doesn't have to be that everybody's dying. That wasn't, that wasn't the foregone conclusion. Like, it was, it was willful ignorance. And I mean, it's just, it's been so amazing, you know, like being here in this country that like growing up was like, ah. Oh, communist Vietnam, like so repressive and so evil. And like, even now there, are a whole bunch of Vietnamese, uh, social media got, got a little bit, uh, rowdy, uh, because there was a, a journalist for, I think it was the foreign policy, uh, magazine. Um, and he like wrote a thing that was like, the only reason Vietnam was successful is was because they're so repressive. And so I, with all the protests going on these days, I, I made sure to to tag him in a status the other day, and I said, you know, really strange that he hasn't mentioned anything uh, about these, about this repression, and it's strange that the U.S. is so good at repressing, but wasn't able to repress um, Corona. Maybe it wasn't repression that that managed to win the fight in Vietnam, but it was caring about the people and getting information out there. Like it's right. it's amazing. Like you know, I, I'm definitely coming out of all of I'm coming out of living in Vietnam and out of Corona, like more, more a communist, like more convinced that like, hey, this, this is the framework for being able to solve problems and being able to work together. You know, there's flaws, sure, but we're, the thing is, is that we can acknowledge them and work through them versus uh, neoliberalism and fascism, which are basically the two choices in in the States. Um, So, it's, you know, it's yeah. it's amazing to see that another world is possible. I uh, I suppose maybe a good closing note would be, so I had a Vietnamese friend, a close Vietnamese friend here. She was asking me about the protests and just about everything with corona in the States. And so, I kind of, you know, I gave her like probably like a 10 paragraph walkthrough of everything that I messaged her. Uh, and, and at the end, she said, so the American dream is a lie, isn't it? And i said that they can't sum it up better than that. Like it's, it's fake. Like it's just, you know, maybe there's some people that it worked out for, like uh, that were already wealthy, but for for the majority of Americans, like this picture, they're selling the rest of the world. That's not what America is. It's
1: yeah. Well, maybe America is just the straight up most oppressive society to ever exist with all its wealth and opulence. And it's maybe why Vietnam was able to, Defeat the United States, right? In a yeah. war, maybe Vietnam has defeated the coronavirus too. In the United States, like you were so rightly said, you know, unfortunately, or sadly, really, tragically, especially for Black people and poor people in this country, are dying disproportionately. This country has been yeah. whipped by a virus. That, yeah, this country has been whipped by a virus that, and still is that that Vietnam, you know. Uh, maybe even a shining example of humanity. The last episode is called China is the future. Well, you know, I think perhaps Vietnam is also the future could be wrong. All right. Amber, thank you so much. I appreciate you being on. I hope to talk to you soon. Um, You know, and I, I I would say stay safe, but I don't think I need to say that to you. I think you probably need to say that to me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, do your best to stay safe and, uh,
1: uh, power to the people? I will. I'll probably end up going to a few more protests, but I will be masked up. I actually have a shield that I wear to the protest, too. Okay. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a little overzealous in my self-protection. Can't be, can, can,
0: can be too overzealous in the coronavirus. I
1: seems concur. Like, I concur.
0: Plan.
1: All right. Thanks again. Thanks, Ember. Thank you so much. Yeah. all right that's it for this episode of mass action thank you so much for joining us mass action can be found on spotify itunes most other places you can find podcasts out in podcast landium our website is mass-action.org please check that out we're not just a podcast we're a project of action we're a publications platform also and lastly please consider contributing to the efforts of mass action we're looking to either head down to tulsa or help people get down to tulsa so please go to gofundme and uh, search for uh uh, what is it search for support mass action become a patron at patreon.com slash mass action